0: Delivering education is one of the many jobs currently being done from home and interacting with students online with tools like Zoom can be a very different experience to teaching face-to-face. I'm talking to Dr. Jenna Price, an academic at the University of Technology, Sydney, and a columnist for the Sydney Morning Herald and Canberra Times about this aspect of working from home. Good afternoon, Jenna. Thank you for joining us.
1: So happy to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me.
0: So emails and phones have been blurring the boundaries between home and work for some time now, but tools like Zoom, Webex and even Skype are a new experience for many people. Were you using tools like Zoom before the pandemic?
1: Only in an absolute emergency. You know, if I really needed to see someone face to face and I couldn't be in the room with them, then I would use either Zoom or Skype. But now um, it's every day, all day, I'm in front of Zoom for hours and hours and hours a
0: day maybe just for the occasional meeting or something like that, not really
1: for teaching? So lots of meetings, lots of teaching, but the other thing I'm doing every morning religiously is uh, I do Zoom yoga with one of my kids who's over the other side of the country and his partner who's in Surrey Hills and then whoever's in my household in isolation. So we use it in a very positive, sociable way first And after that, it's all downhill.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're using it to teach all day, it's really a lot more intensive than what just using it occasionally when you really need to. How how does that show itself? Well, I I guess um,
1: you know, the thing is, there's just a lot more emotional labour required to use Zoom than it is to be in a classroom with someone because all the um, normal cues that you can show in a room, people start to jiggle in their seats or they're scrolling through their phones instead of looking up at other people in the class. Uh, You can't really see that on Zoom. People's faces are tiny. They're tiny little, like this. every face is reduced to the size of a um, tooth or a nose, perhaps, so they're tiny. Um, And you just can't, there's no body language. And it's interesting because I decided to like. My column for the Canberra Times about that um, about the Zoom issue, and I spoke to a couple of people, um, uh, Jess, Jessica McLean from Macquarie University, and also Brady Robards from Monash, and they're both kind of experts in the use of technologies and in digital spaces, and they both, you know, absolutely backed me up when I said this is killing me, and it's much harder to. To understand how people are feeling, and I mean, Jess said, you know, teaching on Zoom kind of reshapes our interactions, and, and it forces us, up in, us into having difficult digital intimacies. And her exact quote quote While some are constructive, and some are exhausting and destructive." And I actually never got round to uh, asking her about the whole constructive thing because I've been struggling so hard with it. Mm. And she says, part kind of the problem is that you know, we're slightly disembodied. You've got a face, you've got shoulders and how you're framed in a particular shot is how you're communicating to people and all those things that I mentioned earlier, the verbal cues and the bodily cues and the body language signs, we can't see them really. We we don't get a sense of who the the human being is. We just get this little tiny face.
0: Okay, so you're not not getting an idea of whether people are losing interest or not understanding and need need to have something explained in a different way. Yeah, that's exactly
1: it. One of the things I've resorted to doing is to sending my students a little um, survey monkey after each class. And that's partly, and I always ask a kind of feelings question, you know, how are you feeling about this? And I get honestly more information in the one sentence that they uh, give me in response to that than I have in spending the time on Zoom with them.
0: Right. Okay. Because that was another question I was going to ask you. From your students' perspective, how are they finding it?
1: They're, honestly, they've been so lovely and so supportive of the fact that we had to bundle all this stuff online in a very quick way. they have been extremely patient and kind. And, you know, we get feedback from them in the middle of the semester. And they've, you know, really been extremely praising of the efforts that I mean, not just me, but the entire staff at UTS have um, made to get this all happening for the mm-hmm. semester. But, you know, it's interesting to me, I'm, I'm having more students with more difficulties with this subject that I've taught before. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not just using Zoom. I'm definitely not using Microsoft Teams because that makes my hair fall out. I am using a kind of closed Facebook group and a lot of emails to try and pick up some of the nuance of... Uh, what it's like to teach when you're in a real room that you can't pick up when you are teaching by a Zoom.
0: I think with young people, so most of your students would be young people, not all of them, but most of them would be young people. And I think we tend to assume that young people are all okay with technology and don't have any problems with it, but that's not necessarily true from what you what you're saying.
1: One of the things that's interesting to me, and which I like to remind people, is that young people are really good at being online for entertainment. But I'm not entertainment and and neither is the work that they're studying. Mm. So, you know, it's fine to watch endless um, TikToks or read various Instagram stories and tweets and Facebook. But in fact, that is just having fun. And that's great to have fun. But if you're kind of thinking about the... I mean, I think people really miss out uh, or misunderstand that... In learning, there's a kind of emotional interaction. So, that kind of emotional interaction where the teacher is trying to understand whether someone in the class understands, well, that's very hard to do. And so, they are, they similarly struggle because they're not able to get that kind of real two way intellectual engagement without a lot more work themselves. And I yeah. think that's, um, I mean, it's interesting to me because I've assumed. But, you know, these guys would just leap on it. But, you know, so many have written to them and and, and are saying, look, it's very hard. And we have quite a lot of group work now. All universities do because we recognise that life is group work. But um, it's very hard to group work effectively when you've never met face to face. So, yeah, it's interesting to me.
0: And a group discussion would be pretty hard as well, I imagine. So
1: what I do is I have a kind of introductory part of my tutorial and then... I say, okay, so for the next 30 minutes, you're going to go through these questions and try calls at once.
0: Right. It's so, not the great answer that um, we've been led to believe often by people who, I, I guess, people who want to sell us things like Zoom. So.
1: I, I mean, I think it's, I'm really grateful we have Zoom in the current circumstance. I think, I mean, there'd be no other way we could have any kind of face-to-face interaction. I mean Skype is very wobbly. I've never used WebEx. Um MS Teams is honestly the kind of infrastructure of MS Teams is really I, I don't like it. It's kind of wafty and unstructured. But to me p- part of the underlying problem with all of this is that we don't have a really good internet infrastructure in Australia. So you know we have a, a lag so or some person freezes or the bandwidth isn't, meaning that the bandwidth in someone's home, they're sharing it with four or five other adults at once. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes it really difficult. And no, I'm assuming that in five years' time, none of this will be a problem. We'll be sitting, um, you know, there'll be holograms of us all sitting under a desk, but we're not there yet. So mm. that feeling of deep personal connection doesn't happen to me online yet.
0: Yeah, okay, and that shows up inequalities with the access that people
1: have, so... I mean, I think that, I mean, that inequality is really a problem. And as I said, now with everyone working from home,
0: yep.
1: I mean, most homes can't cope with five family members on the at the one time. And in fact, the home in which I live right now, we've got one, two, three, four people who work full time. And who have to go to meetings and that kind of thing. Then a fifth person who works full time looking after a small baby. Uh, Then the baby, he's often having FaceTime chats with his grandparents who we can't currently see because of social distancing and COVID. And and I live in a part of Sydney which apparently has fantastic internet. Well, it's not fantastic enough to cope with five people having Zoom meetings
0: all at once. And congratulations on recently in recent months becoming a grandmother for the first time.
1: I am so thrilled and he is so adorable. I'm just I'm sorry he's not here to have a little squawk in the background. <laughs> but um I feel like I've spent uh, the last fifteen years of my children's lives nagging them up about, about providing me with grandchildren and yeah, finally I've got one and uh, because of COVID we're all living together. <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually that's the point about having all those people in the house, the point The the Centre for Future Work at the Australia Institute recently released a briefing paper. It's called Working from Home Opportunities and Risks. And one of the things they say is it cannot be assumed that every worker has an appropriate and safe space in their home to perform their duties this is a particular challenge for workers with family care responsibilities and for people living in space constrained living conditions which have become more commonplace in light of a skyrocketing housing costs in australian cities the assumption that workers have a spare room that can be readily converted into a home office where they can work peacefully and productively is far-fetched for most home workers.
1: Absolutely far-fetched for me as well we don't all have our own little office or even any space I'm working at the dining room table Yeah. Uh, 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 One of my kids is is working in her bedroom, the bedroom that she's got at the moment. She normally lives somewhere else. Someone else is working in a room which has the piano, the music and all the books. My son-in-law is working in a small sitting room we have. So, yeah, I mean, no one's got something that's separate and special for an office because we just, you know we live in the inner city we don't have a house that big.
0: Yeah and then there's all the I mean sitting at a kitchen table that's okay short term but doing that all day then oh. you get things like back
1: problems. Well, it's interesting. I I, I did I completed my PhD last year and uh, I was working at the kitchen table there be, then because I enjoyed looking at the garden. It gave me peaceful thoughts when I was really wanting to throw the bloody thing out the window. Yeah. And I uh, set it up so that it was, you know, really good. You know, that green was level to my eye, that um, my hands were appropriately set up. In fact, there's a fantastic piece in the Guardian by a journalist called Natalie Parletta, and she talks about how you set up a good home office. And I was looking at that story today and thinking, oh, there's a few things I've let slip since those days last year.
0: Yeah. But
1: I mean, yes, there's, I think there's two people in this house who've got good chairs, and most both of those have been borrowed from their workplaces. Right.
0: Right. Um,
1: and and nobody, in which you know, workplaces are doing at the moment. They're Lending out big screens and we're lending out appropriate um, chairs. But, yeah, it's pretty tough, actually. I mean, trying to make sure that you are doing the right thing by your body as well as the right thing by your boss, by your co-workers, by your colleagues.
0: By your family. By um, your
1: family. And and I mean, mental
0: health. <laughs> and your
1: mental health. And I mean, it's funny, you know, last year, was it last year or maybe the year before, we are all laughing at BBC Dad with his little babies, gate-crashing his interview with the BBC. He was a career expert, I think. Uh, but that's happening to everybody right now. You know, you have the babies coming in, the kids coming in. You've yeah,
0: got,
1: you know, <laughs> birds chirping deranged construction two doors down that starts early in the morning and you think you're beating the the kind of noise congestion and then you're on top of that you're trying to get out and do some exercise give yourself some space and that whole collision between them Trying to make sure you're a reasonable housemate stroke workmate stroke family member is is really hard
0: to manage. I was worried before because I had a helicopter and it was literally right over the top of my house and and that was for a couple of hours. So imagine trying to work with that sort of thing Um, and all the things you're talking about as well.
1: Well, you know, one, uh, last week I wrote a it was published yesterday, I think. Um, I wrote a story for the Herald about what it's like to deal with your family members who are now turning into workmates because you're all in the same workspace. And I interviewed this really wonderful woman called Devlina Gosh, who's also at UTS. And she said, "We're pre- we're functioning pretty well now, but we will have to find ways of distancing so we don't end up killing each other." Yeah. And I discovered a whole range of people who were making themselves little private spaces in the house so some even working in the car or setting up uh, there's a woman up the road who set up a desk and an umbrella outside in the garden so that she has some sunshade but she also has some space from the rest of the family so I mean people are trying all different kinds of ways of giving themselves space I uh, recognize that parts of my house can be a bit untidy so when I'm Teaching, for instance, I I don't have a Zoom background of my normal house because I want to make it look like I have another space. So I do various digital backgrounds. I might upload a Frida Kahlo um, painting, or I might load um, lots of intersections. We were talking about intersectionality in one of our subjects, and so I had a whole lot of German highways intersecting with each other as a backdrop. So. That's how I create another space for myself. I mean, that's the great thing about, the thing I'm enjoying about Zoom is that I can do that kind of playful thing as well.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, it's not all bad. There's a lot of... Oh, no.
1: Look, yeah. yes, I am so relieved it exists because I have no idea how we would be doing this now. No. I mean, I have friends who are just teaching on Microsoft Teams and they're really not enjoying the um, way it works. And I have uh, other friends who are just trying to do it with recordings that they're sending to students. And I don't, I don't want to teach in that very one way way. I want to, I really want to be able to interact with them. And even if I don't see their face well, I feel like it's better than nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe in the future technology will improve. Yeah, and, and maybe well, that's whole we'll, idea about of that. Yeah, and maybe we'll also learn the, how to read people a bit better with. with less information, less body language. It might be something we adapt to. Uh, Well, we've
1: all been on uh, Facebook and Twitter for, you know, 10 years and we're still, 12 years, 13 years, and we still haven't quite got the knack. I mean, I think you and I have talked in the past about I wish we had a sarcasm font for for Twitter (laughs) or, you know, an irony expression on Facebook. So, you know, we've been on there for a long time and... I mean, that's part of the function of emojis, I guess. It's a way of saying, I really mean this.
0: Yeah. I
1: really mean that my head is explaining or I'm having a wink or this is funny or, you know, yeah. applause something like that. So, I mean, we do have those things, but um, maybe it's true we'll be able to better to read someone's mood or tone
0: yeah.
1: uh, after more practice.
0: At the moment, they're a poor substitute for actual interaction.
1: 100%. Um Yeah. But-